Welcome to Tech Intersect. I'm your host, Tanya Evans, and my life and work exist at the heart of law, business, and technology. Yeah, I've earned a few fancy titles and degrees over the years, but the bottom line is I'm a writer, speaker, teacher, and lifelong learner. And I'm really excited that you've joined me on this journey. So what is Tech Intersect? Well, it's authentic, empowering conversations with really interesting guests who demystify complex topics to prepare you for the future, because your future is now. And it exists where law, business, and tech intersect. Get ready to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. Hello, 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 and it's so good to be back to Tech Intersect after a much-needed pause for the cause. And by cause, I mean to great exams, travel the world, and relax, relate, release. I was on a lovely tropical island, minding my Black-owned business and getting some much-needed rest to recharge. I know so many of us have been through so much. And so whether you can get away to the islands or wherever your favorite place is, or you can just unplug or do a staycation, I highly recommend that you do it. We're not past the pandemic yet. We are past a major wave, but things might start to get a little complicated at the end of the summer. I'm no doctor. I'm just reading the tea leaves. So take some time for you and make sure that you can recharge and take care of yourself. Okay. Welcome to all of the new listeners and followers and shout out for those of you who've been riding with me since 2019. I've had some wonderful experiences, wonderful conversations, and I'm really excited about what I have teed up for this summer and the fall to come. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. And in this special episode of Tech Intersect, I share a replay of my recent conversation with my business partner in power, Shantavia Johnson, on the latest episode of Listen to Black Women. We've rebooted the show. You can catch it live on Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern at listentoblackwomen.com. That's listentoblackwomen.com. It's a YouTube show. And so you see us engaging with each other and taking a deep dive into whatever the topic is for the week. So definitely join us Thursdays, 5 p.m. Eastern, listentoblackwomen.com. Now, after we catch up on each other's lives, because we actually haven't spoken to each other in that format for some time, Shantavia and I dive into the topic of the day, which is the crazy NFT beef between Damon Dash, aka Dame Dash, and Rockefeller Records and Jay-Z. So on June 18th, Rockefeller Records filed a complaint in federal district court in New York against Dame Dash to prevent him from auctioning an NFT that he's probably already minted. I talk about this in the episode, so tune in for that because that's an interesting part of this as well. But they want to prevent Dame from auctioning an NFT of the copyright in Jay-Z's iconic album, Reasonable Doubt. And to do so via this little known, at least little known to me, minting and farming platform, Superfarm. I don't know it. It's not well known to me or anyone with whom I work in the NFT space, but I digress. I'm sure it's a lovely site. (laughs) I'm including a link to the complaint and also to Superfarm in the show notes. Definitely give the complaint a read. It talks about the reasons for the lawsuit, of course. It includes a copy of Jay's recording contract for Reasonable Doubt, which I found very interesting as an intellectual property and entertainment lawyer. 
It also includes the cease and desist letters and the NFT auction announcement from Superfarm that has since been removed from the company's website. So definitely take a look at the complaint in order to see all of this information. Look, this complaint is a masterpiece for a number of reasons. I remember when uh, Shantavia tweeted at me to say, you know, heads up, I wonder what you think about this. The mix of law and business and TMZ worthy entertainment tea. And by the way, shout out to TMZ for continuing to break real news in the entertainment industry like nobody's business. They were out ahead on this. Harvey, I'm also a lawyer. Call me. I'd love to cover this ongoing issue in depth. But anyway, a complaint, which is what a, a plaintiff files in a civil case in order to initiate a lawsuit. This particular complaint summarizes the case, of course. It begins with the following line. These four amazing words. The clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. Now, this may seem like a throwaway line, but it actually has legal implications as well. Time is an important factor in a temporary restraining order request because the plaintiff is asking the court to prevent some imminent and continuing or highly probable harm from occurring or continuing. The issue is that Dame doesn't own the copyright in reasonable doubt. The company does. He's a minority shareholder in the company. But corporations are separate legal entities, kind of like people, because after all, you may have heard this before, corporations are people too. So shout out to Hobby Lobby, shout out to Mitt Romney, who got clowned on the interweb for uttering those infamous words as well. This case involves NFTs, the underlying copyright asset, but it's mostly a corporate law case, not really an NFT case. It deals with the underlying issue of copyright, but it's mostly a corporate law case. Rockefeller Records asserts that Dame was illegally converting a corporate asset for his personal use because the corporate asset is the copyright in reasonable doubt that is owned by the corporation, not by Dame, not by Jay, by the company in which both of them have a one-third interest. I'm writing up a Medium article to explain all of the causes of action, but I'll just list them briefly here before we jump into it. Uh, it includes a declaratory judgment to clarify the respective rights and interests, also a breach of fiduciary duty, conversion, or replevin, excuse me, I should say, and unjust enrichment. So definitely follow me to stay tuned for the updates. There's some really interesting issues that have emerged since the filing. This complaint has this amazing section devoted to Jay-Z's rise to fame that I didn't expect. And it gets back to business eventually by detailing the ownership of Reasonable Dow, Dame's attempts to auction his purported interest in the copyright, or his business interest in Rockefeller. It's not entirely clear, although in the announcement about the auction at Superfarm before it was taken down, they talk a lot about the copyright interest. So I'm not quite sure what Dame was thinking, when he sought to auction off an NFT of the Reasonable Doubt copyright. So we'll have to parse through that as the weeks come. But the complaint also says that it's concerned that the NFT, as I mentioned earlier, has already been minted, also known as created, and therefore that Dame is in possession of a corporate asset and trying to find another auction platform to sell the NFT. So the court has temporarily halted any sale and demanded that Dame show cause on July 1st, 
why the court should not issue a permanent injunction. In the meantime, Jay-Z has stepped up his game and presence in the crypto space by launching his own NFT of the Reasonable Doubt artwork. The copyright in the song, not the masters, but the artwork via a Sotheby's auction. So that proves that, yes, Jay-Z is not just a businessman. He's a business man. (laughs) Y'all know I had to slide that in there, right? I know, I know, I know. Anyway, before we jump into this episode, please take a moment to like, comment, and share this episode and this podcast with your networks. Follow me on social means and let me know what topics you'd like to hear more of and who you want to hear from. Okay, it is time to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. All right, Tanya, I'm so excited to see you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, man, it feels like, Tanya, we are so wrong for not, like, doing this before now. (laughs) I blame everything on the pandemic, the pandemonium, but nothing but that kept us apart. And now we're back together virtually. I love it. I love you, my sister. So good. You and me. Oh, I love you, too. And I'm just so excited that we are back and we get to chop it up with each other. I love having smart conversations and you are so smart. So this is going to be fun. (laughs) And Oh, thank you. And welcome, welcome to everybody who is watching. Tanya and I have been like, we've been together for a long time, (laughs) y'all. And we have, as Tanya mentioned, the pandemic has been whatever it is, but we Mm -hmm, are back mm -hmm. and we have a new spanking new brand called Listen to Black Women. And this is a platform we founded, what, Tanya, three or four years ago, it feels like at this point. Yeah. And so with It's gone through a couple of iterations and names, but Listen to Black Women is where we are right now. And we created Listen to Black Women because the headlines just don't tell the full story. And y'all know, sometimes even when we get the story, we do not hear from Black women. And so Tanya and I are here. We want to offer our perspectives on all things law, tech, and business using pop culture headlines. So Tanya, let's let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's go all the way in. There's so much going on. So tell the people what is the first thing that caught your attention and the reason that we even came back together to say we've got to get the band back together again and jump on here to connect with each other and certainly with with all the folks who follow uh, and listen. Well, hold on. First of all, the thing that got us back together, first of all, is your fabulous hair. Look at you. Oh my you God. You got like the twist oh out God. is popping. You look amazing. <laughs> and I'm just excited to actually see you. You have been MIA for what, like a long, a couple of months. How have you really? been, first of all, before we jump into anything else, how have you been? So I've been really good. You know, this has been this epic time over this last year for transition. 
And so leaving New Hampshire, moving to Pennsylvania, less than a week after I moved in to my place, I started teaching and created three completely new courses. You know firsthand, one is a beast. Three, forget about it. Uh, three of them lead to the fact that I had to take off almost six weeks after I turned in my exams to go mind my Black-owned business in a local island. Uh, I'm sun-kissed. Hair, no, did it loved being on an island. I think it grew three inches in six weeks. So um, I've just been really good, really focused on Advantage Evans, the courses, for those who don't know, from cash to crypto. And I'll talk a little bit more later about the NFT law guide for creatives and collectors. So excited about how that's going. Family's good. I'm vaxxed and melanated and, and ready to move about the world. And the red lip is popping. <laughs> the red lip is popping too. Oh man. <laughs> what's going so on in your black owned world? Girl, what's not going on? What is not going on? This has been like 2021 has been a crazy year for me. Like yeah. the pandemic, frankly, like some things, obviously it's been a, a horrible time for a lot of people. I've lost multiple relatives to COVID, but it also right. has been a very good time of self-reflection for me about what I want, about how I'm going to get out there and get it and how I'm going to just rest more. Yes. So like my company has been doing some really cool things. We're doing some really cool partnerships and collaborations that I would love to talk about at some point, but it has been a time of self-reflection. Now I ain't go to St. Martin like you, but <laughs> I did go down to the islands of Georgia, went down to Tybee Island. You said you're sun-kissed. My ass is burnt. Like I'm peeling. I got, this is the first time I've Are ever you? got sunburned. It's the first time I've ever gotten sunburned in my life, Tanya, but I am like, I am burnt. My skin is like burning and peeling. Oh. So it was restful being down there. I'm not complaining because look, I needed it. I needed six weeks like you took, <laughs> but, but I went down for about a week last week and mm -hmm. oh my gosh, we just had such a good time and I am burnt. I am definitely burnt. <laughs> and hey, Felicia. Hey, Regina. Thank y'all so much for joining. It is so mm. good to see you. Regina says she's got her purse open for some gems. Open Let's a little go. wider, Regina, because we got some stuff for you today, boo. <laughs> That's right. We did so, not pack light. We did not pack light today. We did not pack light. Shout out to Minda Hearts, because isn't that the name of her next book? Pack light. Yes, it is. <laughs> Going to be mad at us. We'll do that later. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. So Tanya and I, maybe we should introduce ourselves a little bit, Tanya, for people who don't know us about our backgrounds and what we do and just what the vision is for Listen to Black Women. So I will start since my mouth is already running. And <laughs> I am Shantavia Johnson. I am, gosh, if you open up the bag, there's a lot of things in there. My background is in intellectual property law. I am also a registered patent attorney, an academic, have been in higher ed for more than a decade, and a business consultant, an entrepreneur. I am a wife and mother, and my birthday, it is cancer season. I know you, Leo, Tanya, but Hey, I'm, I'm like right at the end of cancer and beginning of Leo, <laughs> but it's cancer season. My birthday is coming up in a couple of weeks, so I'm doing good. I'm doing really, really well. Excited to be here and also do some speaking and things. And this is one reason I texted Tanya last week and I was like, Tanya, 
or maybe it was just yesterday. Good Lord. Was it just yesterday? It feels like, <laughs> I don't know what day. I don't know what day. I don't know. Right. But I said, Tanya, we really have to like get back on live because there are these amazing things happening in the news. We need mm-hmm. to talk about, we need to share with our people. We need to save somebody, whoever wants to be saved. We need to <laughs> let the people know how they can take all these things that are happening in our country and in our world and apply them to their lives so they don't get caught slipping out here with their businesses, with their brands, with all the things they're trying to do. And people need to hear our voices. So that is why I'm here because I know people need to hear my voice. I know they need to hear your voice. I need to hear your voice about blockchain (laughs) and crypto because I'm looking at my investments and I need to know what to do next. So I'm following (laughs) you for sure. There we go. We're in this for the long haul. That's right. We are. We are. So introduce yourself, Tanya, to the people, and then let's jump into the topic today. Awesome. So I am the CEO of me, which we always love to talk about. We'll talk more about that because that's really important. It's going to be one of my takeaways today. I own Advantage Evans LLC, which owns the Advantage Evans Academy, created an online suite of courses to help mostly those marginalized in tech and finance in order to onboard safely, legally, and confidently into the crypto world, as you said, Shantavia. And I also launched a new course recently about NFTs, and it's the NFT law guide. So many people talk about NFTs, but we talk about the legal implications. I'll say more about that later, too. I'm a law professor um, recently receiving immediate tenure, clearly not promised for Black women. Maybe we need to talk about that as well but I was granted immediate tenure um, at Penn State Dickinson Law School that kicks in July 1st. So I'm like coasting on my visitor status before it really kicks into earnest. I'm uh, an intellectual property lawyer by training and also done entertainment law, uh, small business law and some trust in the state's work. So I have an interesting bag to reach into myself. And it's amazing when it all comes together in this delightful, amazing way. And so I'm excited to dig into the topic. Yes. So we introduced ourselves. If you are watching on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on YouTube, introduce yourself to in the comments. Let us know who is here, what your background is, because we're going to be talking to you too. We're talking to each other, but we're talking to everybody. Right, Tanya? Absolutely. All right. So what are we going to listen to Black women about today? Tanya, do you want to start? You want me to start? Let's go ahead and tee this up. I'll I'll double dutch my way in, but Go ahead. You tee it up for us. Okay. So this was just yesterday. I was thinking I reached out to Tanya last week, but it was yesterday <laughs> when I saw this headline in the news and the, I, I read the article and I was like, you know what? I want to know what Tanya has to say about this. And I tweeted it like, I want to hear what Tanya has to say <laughs> about this case, because there's this thing happening in the news. It's a lawsuit between Rockefeller Records and Damon Dash. So I might get some of this a little mixed up. I mean, I, I like hip hop, but I am not a big hip hop head. So if I say something wrong, <laughs> Come on, name, represent for the hip hop head. It's, it's a I shout out to Run Run DMC. DMC. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. All right. So Rockefeller Records, which is this record label that was started by Damon Dash. Jay-Z and another business partner named Kareem. I can't remember Kareem's last name right now. Burke. The three of them started this company, Rockefeller Records, and they created it at a time when Jay-Z wanted to put out some music, but nobody was signing him. So this was before he was hot. And they they put out the first album from Jay-Z, Reasonable Doubt, which now is known as like, you know, one of the most popular hip hop albums or best hip hop albums of all time. And 
when he created Reasonable Doubt, one of the things they apparently agreed to when they created Rockefeller Records was that all three of these friends slash business partners would each own a piece of the company and the company would own the intellectual property, the copyrights and all the things that go along with creating the music. And as part of the ownership of the copyrights, it obviously included the copyrights in Reasonable Doubt, which at the time they didn't know what it was going to be. Now it's deeply solidified in American history as a very important music piece, piece of music, album, whatever you want to call it. And this week on the 18th or last week, I guess it was now, Rockefeller Records sued Damon Dash because they got wind that Dame Dash was trying to sell, well, what they say in the complaint is sell his copyright in the album for reasonable doubt. And he wanted to sell it in a really unique way. So Tanya, this is where I'm going to turn it over to you. because <laughs> I don't know nothing about no NFTs. So I'm going to let you take it from there. <laughs> Well, that's kind of the rub of the entire case too, right? And there's not, it's, there's a lack of clarity even in the complaint. I know you read it. I have it in front of me and it's interesting. So on one hand, there's this concern uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you all what, what non-fungible tokens or NFTs are, but in order to really fully understand, we do have to understand what is an NFT? What is a token? Why is it separate from copyright and how it is all just, you know, reading through some of the coverage by the media, the media, I'm sure, bless, bless your hearts. I, I know you're trying to do the best. And shout out to TMZ, who's actually and consistently breaking actual news. All right. We don't know if it's every single detail. Right. But we that's where we got it from. But the issue is separate and apart from reasonable doubt specifically, but all of the copyright interests that the company holds. Can one member of a three-member privately held company that has its own assets, can one of them leverage their one-third interest and tokenize that real-world asset and sell it on a blockchain? Now, taking a step back, and if you don't understand anything that I say, I don't know that all of it will be clear in the time that I have in front of you. I welcome you to attend one of my free master classes or hop into From Cash to Crypto or join, uh, sign up for my courses. NFT Come on, promotion. <laughs> Let's Come go. On, promotion. And guess what I'm going to do for you? Anybody you sign up, I did create a, a special discount code. If you use LTBW, standing for Listen to Black Women. 50% off of any course that you go and, and you can take a deep dive, but we're going to talk at a, a, a high level here. A non-fungible token, think of it as a deed that represents ownership and your ability to exercise ownership and control over an asset. A lot of NFT talk is around creative assets right now, but the NFT is not the creativity. It's your ability to exert ownership and control. It's the way that you verify the authenticity of it. Uh, Non-fungible means that it's not interchangeable one for one. Currency is fungible. One dollar is one dollar, even if though technically they have a, a, a serial number on them. A dollar is a dollar. Um, and there are a lot of different fungible, interchangeable assets. Real estate is non-fungible. It's unique. Even if you're on a block and every single house looks the same, that parcel of land is unique. And so start to think of tokens, non-fungible tokens, as the way to specifically identify an asset uh, to which it is inextricably linked, connected forever. Uh, and so what Dame evidently was trying to do, and, and it, 
I'm going to read something a little bit later about how they even described how it was being sold. The language is really bad on this. Um, I'm sorry, since it's already out there. Super Farm. I know dozens of platforms. I don't know a lot about Super Farm. I haven't worked with any NFT artists who have minted, meaning created an NFT on Super Farm. So we're going to put that to the side. But using that and describing uh, what was being sold as... Proud of, Super Farm is proud to announce in collaboration with Damon Dash, the auction of Damon's ownership of the copyright to Jay-Z's first album, Reasonable Doubt. Um, I feel like I'm on a street corner. Stop right there. <laughs> right? So, Shotavia, you know well, this is like this hodgepodge of non-fungible tokens, which is in the crypto asset or cryptocurrency world. Um, all tokens are recorded. The information, the transactions and balances are recorded to blockchains. Blockchain is a digital record database of that of transactions and balances as well. So the issue really comes down to whether or not Dane can specifically leverage the copyright that is owned by the corporation or whether or not that corporate entity is separate and apart from the shareholders. Yeah. So you just said a whole lot there for those of us who are not well versed in the NFT space. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and then I want to just talk about what we can learn from this. Right. The people who we work with, our clients, our customers, people who are creators, professors, lawyers, professionals, wherever they are. What can we learn from this kind of situation? So when you're talking about NFTs, non-fungible tokens and the benefit they offer to creators, why do you think Dane wanted to do this? So taking, assuming this is what he wanted to do, he wanted right. to sell something as an NFT versus what people typically do, which is just create a contract, sell a particular intellectual property asset to someone else via paper. Why do you think this is even coming up? Why does he want to take the NFT route, you think? Separate and apart from the the fact that it's the new hot sexy thing to do. Um, when you think more broadly about the benefits of non-fungible tokens in what we would call a decentralized world, meaning that there's no intermediary that can stop you from doing certain things. That's a really powerful component of why NFTs have been really exciting in, in the creative space, how you can take a visual artist and if they create a digital representation of their art, and then they are able to offer that for sale, not just in a gallery that sometimes oftentimes uh, excludes black and brown creatives, for example. Um, you don't need Sotheby's in order to do it, although Sotheby's is involved, for example, in the sale of some high net worth uh, tokens, which kind of mimics um, the existing world that is, is like a gatekeeper to things that are deemed to be really important. You don't need that. You can go to, your, to a platform whatever that platform may be, and uh, create your own immutable, meaning uh, you cannot change it. It's forever recorded. Somebody can't go in and change it after the fact. That's valuable. Also, it is, you know, the, the problem in the late 90s with digital assets is I could have an MP3 or MP4 file. I don't lose mine, but I can send it all over the world. You cannot do that with these tokens. It's a one-for-one -one exchange. When I exchange it, I no longer have ownership access or control to it. Um, and then a final thing is there's billions of dollars of 
uh, value locked in illiquid assets, meaning you don't really have a, it, it has a value. You, you can appraise the value of something, but if you don't have access to markets, if people don't know where it is, they can't buy it. It's not liquid. You can't move it. You can't sell it. Um, and this, the, the ability to sell um, an asset is really important. Blockchain unlocks a global network. You know, you can buy an NFT. You don't know where the person is. They could be halfway around the world, but the internet and peer-to-peer -peer technology and now non-fungible tokens injects liquidity so that you can actually create a market and then secondary markets as well. So he, he, he mints this token and maybe then he sells a partial interest to it and others get to sell on the secondary market. So those are downstream revenues created for something that was otherwise illiquid. All of that is insanely valuable and that's a game changer for, for business and for intellectual property. So it's important for all the reasons you just mentioned, but along these same lines, and this is where I advise my clients, my customers, people who follow me, uh, people who work with me in some way, is it's great to engage with disruptive technology. It is great to be at the cutting edge of something, but you need to understand it, right? And to me, the first mistake, if we're talking about lessons people can learn from this, is like, I assume Dame Dash is a smart guy. He's been in business a long time. He's been in the entertainment industry a long time. You know, no, no matter what you might think about his personality or his tactics or whatever, he must be very right. business savvy. But he entered into this agreement to mint his NFT with Superfarm, which you say, well, you didn't say this. I'm saying it. <laughs> Superfarm. I got nothing. Um, I got nothing. I, it's the first I heard of them, but this is something. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, but that's my point, right? So you're an expert in this space. Superfarm is not a major player, it seems like, or not a larger player in the market. So you have a relatively unknown platform and what appears to me to be a person who's very smart, but who may not understand the nuance of NFTs. Right. And they enter into this collaboration and the announcement from the lawsuit that you read is really, really poorly written. So this is really? the first thing to me. If you're going into business to make money, to do whatever it is you're going to do, like have a good team because whoever wrote this announcement, me reading it as a as a lawyer, but also as a person relatively new to NFT and T's and blockchain, understanding it a little bit, but not a lot. I read mm -hmm. this and I'm like, this doesn't make any damn sense to me. <laughs> like right. you don't you don't like the the words they used. So this is the first thing to me before we even get into the lawsuit. The announcement yeah. that the lawsuit is based on for right. me seems to be very poorly written. They say they're going to auction Damon's ownership of the copyright to Jay-Z's first album, Reasonable Doubt. Like that sentence is written poorly for people who understand this space somewhat. Right. And they do a decent job of explaining some of this stuff. But this is probably what raised the red flag and led to the lawsuit. So right. now Dame Dash is in this probably multi-million dollar lawsuit because... Uh, the record label that he's a part owner of gets this announcement that is poorly written. And they end up now in this huge argument. It seems to me a lot based on this very poorly written announcement. What, what do you think about that, Tanya, about the announcement itself? It's, it's, it's rough, but unfortunately, I see a lot of it in, in my NFT law guide course. There's a section that deals specifically uh, with um, the terms and conditions of use. 
and the language that these platforms are using. I've seen some really well-written ones. Um, shout out to NBA Top Shot. They have a few lawyers. And then I see some really poorly written ones, not just for announcements, but really their terms of and conditions of, of, of use of their platform, which suggests that not only do they not fully understand all of the, um, the legal implications, or you don't have to necessarily understand them, but you have to have an excellent team. Uh, but they certainly mm -hmm. don't understand the difference between the token itself, the representation of ownership versus the underlying asset. Could be a digital asset. Some are connecting with real world assets. Um, there are a lot of different uses uh, uses beyond creativity. But this announcement, uh, so I mean, even a, a couple of lines beyond that, selling the copyright, and let's talk about that. I want to hear you know, the, the, the ability of someone to uh, transfer copyright, for example. Let's say this was actually true. What other things would have to take place for that to be true? Uh, it, it says selling the copyright to Jay-Z's reasonable doubt as an NFT is a groundbreaking landmark for both the crypto space and the broader music industry. They're trying to make news um, off of some really, really not only poorly written, but, you know, th th this is not something that can be done because the shareholders are separate and apart from the corporation that owns the entity. Maybe he wanted to say one third of my interest in this entire entity. I suggest he does not. He was focused specifically on this. And that is, this is the smoking gun. This is everything that you would say that a, a, a client shouldn't do. Yep. Completely agree. And so like, what I read today was Dame Dash said exactly what you just said. That first mm -hmm. of all, that there was no announcement had been publicly made. So they got this announcement some kind of way. Who knows? But that mm -hmm. also shows the collaboration must not have been that strong or clear. If mm -hmm. an, an announcement that should not have been public went to you know, the person who would end up filing a lawsuit against you, that just to me says there's something missing there's a disconnect so regina turner mentions in the comments they might have connects to super farm and he very well might but they don't right. have his best interest at heart the way in which i read this even if it's a draft even if it should never have seen the light of day apparently it did right. some kind of way and now we're in this situation beyond negotiating right. but to a lawsuit well of course there still may be negotiating going on but that's the first thing then the second yeah. thing tanya you mentioned something important all right. So what I'm going to call this is when keeping it real goes wrong. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it, this is really a lesson about corporations and business yes. law. When you yes. go into business with other people, they did some of the right things, right? Years ago when they created Rockefeller Records, the three people, Kareem, Jay, and Dane, they get together, they create a corporation. But what the complaint shows and what all this stuff shows that is coming out about it and of course we don't have all the information is maybe everybody don't really understand what this means mm. what it means to create a separate business entity with your friends who are now your business partners and create something where that thing that business organization owns your intellectual property right now this is common so tanya and i you and i created a business together and we own various things within that business structure. So right. this is something a lot of people do. But when I read the complaint and when I read like some of the other things that were happening in the news, it seems to me that whoever is advising Damon Dash 
And whoever wrote this announcement for Superfarm and whoever is behind the scenes creating the collaboration deal is not using the appropriate language around what actually is being sold to the point you made and what you actually get. You know, right. like they're saying, oh, Dame is selling the copyright in reasonable doubt, which that's not happening because mm -hmm. the corporation itself is what owns the copyright, not the individuals. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, that is the difference. Do you have a partnership or do you have this legal entity? You know, <laughs> this reminds me, I think I'm having PTSD of our experiences on Clubhouse. You have LLC Twitter and LLC Clubhouse and everybody needs the LLC because limited liability, et cetera, et cetera. Any, you know, if you have a single member, that's a story for another day. But assuming that you have an LLC that is um, being taxed as a partnership, if you have two or more people as opposed to as a corporation, that's going to have different consequences. And in terms of what is owned, your ability as an individual to exercise ownership and control outside of the context of that corporate structure is it cannot happen in many different ways unless like we don't have all the facts, as you said. I don't I don't know what their um, their bylaws and all sorts of other things, but I guesstimate from this complaint. This is not something he certainly can do in his individual capacity. But it does make me think outside of the corporate structure. Let's talk if this was just an, uh, a partnership or you've counseled people who are, um, you know, a band or somebody who is collaborating these collaboration agreements where Ooh. it's not a matter of if mm -hmm. but when that shit goes wrong. Excuse my French mama <laughs> if you're watching. So, you know, if somebody is licensing some interest in copyright, that is something they could do as long as they account to the others. But that can't happen in the context of a corporate structure that actually owns the acts, the 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 uh, assets. Ooh, okay, Tanya. So you just said a mouthful there. <laughs> you did, <laughs> and I I absolutely love all of it. So even just taking this for what it is right now, they created a corporation. These three folks. Mm. And they said, whatever we build together, the company owns, and we each own one third interest in this company, a third, a third, a third. Right. And so this is the first thing I'm going to say. When you're going into business with someone else, you create whatever you create, LLC, corporation, partnership, limited partnership, whatever you create. Be very, very clear on the rules. So in a corporation, you have bylaws. In an LLC, you have what are called articles of organization. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Um, or, articles, uh, or articles of incorporation for corporate side, organization on the LLC side. Mm -hmm, that's right. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. And a lot of you, a lot of you, I'm saying a lot of y'all, forgive me if this ain't you, but you Google it, right? You go you Google some corporate bylaws. Not y'all, but the other people who aren't listening. Go ahead. That's right. You Google your articles of organization. You Google your operating agreement for your LLC. And you think, oh, well, this should apply to me. This should work. This should be fine. Mm -hmm. And what shows me that there wasn't enough conversation with Rockefeller Records is over the years, there have been like these stories and interviews where Jay-Z might say he didn't like how Dame was taking over too much control or he should have been like falling back like Kareem Burke was because Jay-Z was the talent or whatever. And mm -hmm. Jay-Z was the one putting out all the albums. Now these other two were doing things. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying what I've read 
online is there's always been this power struggle about who should have what, who should have the clout, who should have this, who should have the that, that. When you're going into business with somebody, if you believe you should be a majority shareholder, you should have more of an interest. Say that shit up front. Don't let it get to the point where we're like 20 years down the road and a person with an equal interest can sell yeah. it. So we don't know what their bylaws say about when you can sell shares in the company or not. But assuming yeah. they can, assuming as is typical when multiple people own shares in a, a corporation and they're equal partners, equal partners can sell their interests. Say, I don't want to be part of the corporation anymore. They can sell it to somebody else. So now you right. have a person with one third power in this corporation who can bring in a stranger, some, like you said, some random person from the internet you've never met, yeah. you don't know who they are. And now they're your business partner. So when you are creating your collaboration with someone else, be mm -hmm. very, very clear up front about who can do what, when, where, and how. And don't just Google these bylaws, these <laughs> operation agreements, because one size doesn't fit all and what worked for somebody else may not work for you. And if you don't right. think things should be equal, don't make them equal. We hope you're enjoying this edition of Tech Intersect. Our conversation will continue in a moment, but first, a word on an exciting opportunity. There's a more cost-effective and time-efficient way to reach your leading-edge learning and earning goals, to put you ahead of the stiff competition in this fast-paced, tech-driven economy. You need skills, credentials, and a fast track to a competitive advantage. You need it now more than ever, and I can help. The Advantage Evans Method puts you ahead of the curve with condensed, comprehensive online courses, curated content to leverage your current skills and expertise, live coaching, networking opportunities, and more. Upcoming courses include From Cash to Crypto to help you buy your first Bitcoin, and there are two ways to get your advantage. Advantage Evans Encore gives you maximum experience for your total competitive advantage and access for one year. It includes a live welcome and modules on terminology, buying and selling, exchanges, mining, earning crypto, trading and investing, and also several of the legal issues you need to know in order to be safe and secure as you enter this space. That includes tax compliance, how to plan for a Bitcoin estate, and securities laws to make sure you avoid any legal unforced errors. Now, Advantage Core gives you the essentials. It's a short course to give you what you want and the support you need to buy your first crypto in as little as three weeks with access to the information and replays for three months. And if you're not quite ready for your Advantage and want a sneak peek to try before you buy, then register for a free masterclass where I share my Crypto 101 success checklist and cover current hot topics in crypto. So there truly is something for everyone, including you, to get in on the fast track and learn and earn in the digital economy. Visit AdvantageEvans.com to get started. That's AdvantageEvans.com. And now, back to the conversation. At least that's my right. thought about it. What do you think? It's true. I mean, sometimes you go into um, a business relationship already understanding that there's somebody who is going to, who is more valuable, you know, we'll call it the key person, right? 
Um, and there's going to be a key person and they're going to have special privileges and you want to reduce all those things to writing in a creative world. Most of the time, it doesn't happen that way. It's only after yeah. the fact when the yeah. lawyers come in and the accountants come in and the managers come in to straighten out stuff because, you know, creatives are just vibing. They're creatives. That's like the whole point. It's a different, literally a different part of the brain. And so things can change over time. And, you know, it's I think of it like a prenup when two people come together and neither one of them has anything. It's real easy to write that prenup up, right? It gets more complicated 17 and a half years in with the big fans and the kids and the this and that. And you have to also know how to pivot when circumstances change. And that is something that can be very, very difficult when somebody does rise and, and has more, um, is, is bringing more to the table uh, and what that is gonna look like. So that's a difficult thing to do. Obviously we would want you to do it upfront. It's not always possible because the circumstances, particularly uh, with copyright. And, and we know uh, business interests, you know, can go on and on. Copyright interests last for the life of the author plus 70 years for an individual after their death. So who's going to manage that after someone passes? There's so many things to consider and nobody's really talking about that. And, and it's understandable in most cases. But when you know better, you do what? Hopefully. Right. You do better. And someone right. said in the chat, Regina, thank you, said in the chat, don't let your rights now block your future. And I don't no, disagree right. with that at all. Don't let your rights now block your future, but prepare for your future. So mm -hmm. these guys were creating this record label at a time when nobody wanted to sign Jay-Z. Right. Now, there's not a record label on the planet who wouldn't collaborate with Jay-Z on a thing. Yeah. I would so start you, one tomorrow. Maybe tonight. <laughs> right. Tonight. And you can have 99% interest. I'm, I'm easy. I'm easy. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so my only point of consideration for everybody watching is when you're doing business with other people, when you're collaborating, mm -hmm. talk up front. Because when you don't talk up front, the problems come later, especially when somebody blows up. And I can't tell you how many people in the entertainment industry in particular, because like you said, oh this God. is like a you get in a room together and you're just creating things. And it right. just feels good at the time because it's fun. But then when the money starts to really come in and the contracts and the this and the insurance and the that, that's when there are huge, huge problems. And there have been so many people who come to me months or years later saying, thank you so much for giving me the legal advice you mm -hmm. gave me because that person lost their mind or I lost my mind or the money made us both lose our minds. Right. So we're just saying, when you do these kinds of deals, when you have these kinds of relationships with other people, talk up front about the details, especially about copyright ownership. So right. keeping with copyright ownership, Tanya, you're my yeah. resident copyright expert. <laughs> what was he selling exactly? So this in the complaint to me, and I'll drop yeah. a link to the complaint for anybody who Please. wants to take a look at it. So the complaint is the lawsuit. When you fight, when you sue somebody, you file a document called a complaint, laying out your complaints. And the way they characterized what was happening here was like a, a lifetime. <laughs> it was. This is literally, you all, this is the best. Now, maybe I'm an egghead. I don't know. But this is what I spent my afternoon doing. I don't know what the rest of y'all did. And it's, it's magic. It's, it's literally a lifetime movie. So what, so what was going on, Tanya, with the copyright in particular? Break it down for us. <laughs> well, when you see, you know, we've already talked about the fact that the language is really murky. 
And I do think it was his intention to go in and and try to leverage what he thought was his one third interest in the copyright, his individual one third interest in the copyright. That's what I, you know, the way that this reads. Now, this is the complaint. This is the person suing. You know, this is the entity suing Dame. So it is from their perspective. The attachments are from their perspective. There's always two sides in the middle just so we'll keep it that way for sure. Um, but even the, the discussion about whether or not a copyright interest can be tokenized, meaning can you create an NFT and actually sell that interest? Rockefeller actually acknowledges pretty early on in the complaint that that can happen. I saw some of the news reports that were even questioning whether uh, you can tokenize the copyright interest. The short answer is you can. You can copyright real world, uh, uh, tokenize real world assets, as long as you have the right to do so. Um, but as the, the complaint says, he can't uh, leverage that for what he doesn't own. So what is copyright? Copyright is actually a bundle of rights. It's the right to do a number of things. The most um, obvious is the right to copy, the exclusive right to copy or to permit others to do so or to prevent others from doing so. The right to copy, the right to uh, distribute those copies, the right to create or uh, adaptations from that original work. We'll call the original work the master. Um, I don't like the word master anymore. So like the primary principle, original, let's find some other language in the 21st century. Shout out Juneteenth, I, but I digress. So this idea, if you have a book and you are leveraging that book or creating it into the screenplay for a, a, a movie, that movie, the film rights derived from the original, the right to perform it publicly if it's capable of being performed, the right to publicly display it if it's capable of being, being displayed. So all of those things are the copyright. What is an NFT? It is connected to an individual copy, assuming that we're talking about some copyrighted work. If I'm an artist and I create a digital work and I want to use an NFT to sell that, the person who buys my NFT has immediate access to that specific copy or uh, that specific experience. Or there are some NFTs that are connected to physical art as well or real estate or all these other things. It is not the underlying copyright. And so that is another reason that this went wrong as well, assuming he could have done it. Um, and the final point about copyright, if you are assigning a copyright interest, it has to be in writing. Now, there are some cases that acknowledge through the eSign Act that an electronic signature is sufficient, but you're using this other technology called smart contract code to sign. We don't have any real cases that speak about um, whether or not um, smart contract code can be used to assign a copyright interest. So that's really unclear as well. So it gets really, really interesting to, to, to start to parse through this and unpack it. That is really interesting. So I hadn't thought about the point about smart contracts and whether those are considered writings for copyright right. assignment purposes. But it sounded like that really wasn't what he was trying to do, but the lawyers no. had played it up. <laughs> No, it wasn't. That's my egghead way to unpack it. He wasn't. It's too complex. That's too much, right? <laughs> no, but but that makes so much sense to hear you say that. And, but here's the thing, though, that I think is so important in what you just said. So I think many lawyers who, as we do, look at things in terms of like who's the winner, who's the loser. We see this mm -hmm. as like an open and shut kind of case about a person attempting to sell a thing he doesn't own when he meant to do something else. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing to me is he might have used the wrong structure, 
but he can easily change that tomorrow, right? right? And say what I'm actually selling is the one third interest I have in this corporation. And you can use the hot new NFT as the carrot if you want. But to that's me, right. that's what that's what raises the really interesting point for creators Absolutely. and for entrepreneurs. So don't let this technical mistake that Dame Dash could easily fix throw out the entire case for you. Because if you're creating right. anything, so Tanya has taught me this, if you're creating any digital asset, I don't care what it is, tweets, as we've seen with NBA Top Shot videos, if you shoot, make the game-winning shot <laughs> in some big game or whatever, mm -hmm. these college athletes who, as of July 1st, yes. like the world is going to open up in terms of what they can monetize, yes. you should be watching this really closely, not just for the technical stuff, but watching the moves that creators make right. and watching how you can avoid making the same mistakes. And we've talked about, I think at least three things, going into business with friends the right way, understanding <laughs> the, the impact of bylaws and operating agreements. Don't just Google something and, and say, oh, I can just use this off the internet and it'll work. But you have to have rules when you go into business with a friend. Like Tanya and I have rules. We're friends, but that ain't got nothing to do with business, right? <laughs> That's great. Is that 2.5 or 3? <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> but the That's business we enter into. I, I yeah. mean, it's so important to do this. And then just understanding intellectual property and understanding this new stuff, whether it's right. NFTs or your TikTok videos or whatever the thing is, right? Understanding what you own, what you can leverage and how to think about that as an entrepreneur and as a creator. Absolutely. And I'm going to press the platforms to really get it together as well. And to, you know, the, the simple disclaimer that you passing off everything and all responsibility onto the, uh, the people who are using the platform, obviously they're going to have that type of language, but that may not get platforms off the hook either as mm -hmm. a matter of if there's copyright infringement that having secondary liability. And so um, perhaps we'll come back and talk another time specifically about platforms and how this goes wrong, because there are a lot of people who are building other opportunities for people to create these type of tokenized platforms. And so we're going to see a bunch of them uh, creeping up. Um, so that brings in like safe harbor. So for a platform, the long story and short of it is you're not off the hook by just saying, we don't know anything about what people are doing. We are just uh, bringing two parties together. You may have some liability as a matter of, of being vicariously or contributorily liable. If you were around in the 90s, then you think of the Napsters and Grocksters of the world and, and what mm. you would have to do as a platform hosting potentially infringing content to take down content once you are notified that someone has a um, uh, it will have to be a good faith uh, belief that there's infringement on your platform, but you have to be really uh, careful about that too. And you don't have to be a big platform. You just have to have a platform um, where you uh, are an online service provider. And that's a very, very broad brush. Wow. So the light bulb just went off in my head when you said that about the wide ranging implications of understanding what you're doing out here mm -hmm. and using reputable platform. I'm not to say I don't know anything about this platform that is no in the middle. They have their own problems now. 
Right. We don't know. No shade. No. Listen, I don't know y'all. I don't want no smoke. I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. But and and remember your point right quick, because I had to go there to see. I was like, I've never I've worked with dozens of them. I don't know anything about I need to go and see. And when you click around, I was like, now, who's minting here? Who are the artists? Like everything is dead. I mean, Mm -hmm. they have like one page and not a lot of clickable content. I think they're like, let's shut down and see how this goes. But uh, continue. Oh, honey. <laughs> Listen. Oh, my gosh. You just opened a whole nother thing for me about doing your research. Oh, look, I'm not going to get on my soapbox about uh, doing your research. Right. I've got like, I don't have enough fingers. Doing your research about platforms. Right. Oh. Listen, do your research, work with reputable sources. And if you don't know, ask the right people. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Like business is hard. Entrepreneurship is hard. Getting out here and making this money is hard, whether it's crypto, DeFi, whatever whatever it is. It's hard to get out here and do these things. So so find people who can support you. And Tanya, you mentioned people building opportunities for others. And I think you're doing that really well. So in the last couple of minutes we have, could you talk a bit about what you're building for creators, for entrepreneurs, people who want to know more about NFTs and want to know more about this whole technology of blockchain and crypto? Absolutely. So, you know, the, the, NFT boom at the beginning, the end of last year in particular, the beginning of this year was really exciting for me because I was writing about NFTs three, four years ago. Um, and, I remember. You know, talking about it anywhere I could go, particularly in the academic market, I, the only thing missing were tomatoes. The, it was a terrible audience. Academic, sorry, and lawyer, sorry. I am a lawyer and an academic, but it was, I much prefer to go somewhere else uh, because it, it, you know, I was ahead of my time in that particular group. But it's like, call me now or call me later. That's literally how I roll through life. It's going to cost so you here, more if you call me now. Come <laughs> on. Um, and so, now that there are so many creatives coming together to really start to leverage um, and work in a space that particularly the black and brown communities, queer communities, women have traditionally been locked out of tech and finance came together, had a baby. We have cryptocurrencies and we see uh, what we call the disintermediation of finance. What does that mean? Get out of the way, banks, get out of the way, markets, get out of the way, central banks. People are going to interact and exchange with each other. And now we see the same disintermediation in the creative space. But most people didn't know the first thing about the tech or about the law. And so I created the NFT law guide for creatives and for collectors, because there are a lot of these things that we're talking about. What if somebody is collecting something that um, was fraudulently minted? Uh, which makes me think of one final thing in this complaint. The NFT is probably already created and resides on the block on the Ethereum blockchain. It has not yet been sold because they stopped the auction. But before the auction comes, you have to actually mint the NFT. That is problematic. Story for another day. Um, but I say all that to say mm. understanding all of those legal issues and the legal implications, uh, not just of the underlying rights, but the technology is critically important. It is a big, big world. You can do this. It's a mindset shift, but this technology is here to stay. So let's be about the business of leveraging it for our advantage as a tool of empowerment, economic empowerment, cultural empowerment. Uh, financial inclusion and and the wealth gap that we're talking about in the cryptocurrency space can really be addressed on on the the creative 
uh, NFT side too. Excellent. 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 And just from my perspective, before you get there, before you yeah. get to Tanya, before you get to investing in your crypto, investing in NFTs and everything else, be about your business and have your business and your brand and all the things that you are creating on a solid foundation. Right. right. So, you know, many people, myself included, buy crypto through maybe a, a business organization or, or a separate entity. Mm -hmm. Maybe we create LLCs to invest in those things. Or maybe you have a business that you want to use to generate the income and the financial wealth so that you can buy Bitcoin or Ethereum or MakerDAO coins or whatever it is you want to buy, right? right? And so for those of you who are taking a step back as a creator, as an entrepreneur, or as an investor, and you want to have the business side on a solid foundation, holla at your girl at brandonbusinessacademy.com. I've created a program. It's a boot camp essentially that helps you create that solid foundation for your business, for your brand, for the thing, the, the, the corporate structure, the business structure that is going to hold your brand and hold the things that you're putting out into the world. So many of us know we have really good ideas and we're creating dope posts on Twitter. We write right. books. We have all this expertise that we know we could package and sell, but we don't know how to do it. And what the Brandon Business Academy does is take the guesswork out of it. I give you everything you need to know. And you can find it at brandonbusinessacademy.com. Come holler at your girl. Let me get you together. Tanya, this is so much fun. Can't believe it's over already. That was fast. Oh, man. You know? <laughs> but amazing as always. Amazing as always. I feel like we're just sitting around the table, but we happen to be with all of you as well. Thank you for joining us and and. Uh, allowing us this platform uh, to connect with each other and certainly with you. Our passion really is to support people to make sure that you are out there winning as a matter of law and business and technology um, and for the culture, for sure. So, so, so let's win. Stay in touch with host Tanya Evans via your favorite social media on Twitter at at Tech Intersect and on Instagram via the handle Tech Intersect. This podcast has been produced by Stephanie Renee for Soul Sanctuary Incorporated.